0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening. We are delighted you're tuning in from wherever you are in the world. If you have a cell phone or any other electronic device, please make sure it's on. Yes, on, charged, and the volume is up. Please also take this time to locate your nearest exit and bathroom. Feel free to pause us at any time. We aren't going anywhere. That being said, sit back and relax. Take a walk, go to the gym, or do whatever satisfies you. And open your ears and minds to listen to dressing room talk.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode three, act one, scene three, Hustlin and we are so excited to be recording and be here because we are in person from now until the foreseeable future so
0: <laughs> yeah that's accurate yep we are currently together and it's really awesome what we're going to be talking about today which is what grace said hustlin'. we're going to start from when you decide on a degree program what kinds of opportunities you can take advantage of during your degree program as well as post undergrad. So there are a lot of actor based opportunities during your undergrad and that is mostly summer stock opportunities. And those happen obviously in the summertime before you're going into your next year of undergrad. The places that you can find these summer stock companies are usually online but the buzz gets around you know a lot of people in your degree program will start talking about it you'll see postings probably on bulletin boards you'll see people post flyers about what auditions are to come because a lot of them happen during the j-term time and that that's a Ferdonia thing a suny Ferdonia thing we called our january break j-term j-term is like a little bit before Christmas until January 21st. And that's kind of when all of the summer stock companies hold their summer stock auditions. A few to name are OTAs, um, Midwest Theater Alliance. I don't know. There's SETCs in March. I actually it's don't know. It's usually
1: around
0: spring break. That's an interesting note to make because some of them are in the spring break time slot. period as well. Yeah, the slot. Thank you. Um, and also Straw Hats, which are in New York City. Those are usually in that march period of time and then the rev company is the auburn based it used to be called the finger lakes music theater festival company but now it's called the rev company and they usually have their auditions also during the january slot as well as Cortland repertory theater so those are the ones i know that are close to the upstate new york area obviously ohio is not like extremely close but it's three hours away so it's a really good opportunity to take to kind of meet up with friends usually OTAs in the Auburn and all of those are like within the same week so we would drive up it was like the week before classes started for the spring semester we would all drive up in a car and like spend a few days and usually we would meet up with friends because we would meet friends at auditions and stuff so we would meet up with friends and like spend a few days just beep bopping around to all of the auditions and like we would all take turns driving A really cool opportunity to be with friends and put yourself out there post-undergrad because I think it's really important to get experience, not in your school specifically, like with other people in different companies because you're starting to rack up your resume and that just helps you get jobs post-undergrad. I mean, I think that's key even if you don't get a job just having the experience of auditioning somewhere that's not your school because when you're in undergrad you're only focusing on school really and like auditioning for the main stages but I think it's important to like start putting yourself out there even more so
1: yeah and I think there's a lot to be said about stepping outside of school to learn things so much of the theater world is connections and having good relationships with people because if you work with somebody and they liked working with you If they're working for a company and they're looking for a specific role, they'll go, oh, I know this person, they're really great and they're fun to work with. It's crazy how much word of mouth passes in theater. It's a small world, like it's a big world, but it's really small. Exactly. There are also internship opportunities for the summertime for actors and
0: obviously post-undergrad, and that's where Grace and I met at our post-undergrad year-long contract
1: at Playhouse on the Square in Memphis, Tennessee. You were required to be graduating to like kind of get a call back for them. They had summer interns that would come and just be there for the summer. They were usually tech interns. They weren't mm usually performers, but specifically in scenic. And we did have a costume summer intern there when I was there as well. There's a chunk of time in that specific contract where there aren't performers there, which is in the summer. There's about three months where there aren't performers, but there's still shows happening on their stages, and they still need help. (laughs) So they would have other people come in. I was always told to get as much work outside of school as I could But I chose not to do any kind of internships or summer stocks while I was in school, which a lot of people do, and that's great. I needed to make more money because of how I was going to school and living. And so I took jobs as a hairstylist because I'm a hairdresser or doing other things where I was making more money because you usually don't make very much money in an internship or a summer stock. You can still do well without doing it. But it does make life a little easier to have some connections in the real world once you graduate. Absolutely. Grace, why don't you talk about the tech-based opportunities that you can have
0: outside of the degree program, you know, to rack up your resume?
1: Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. I think my biggest recommendation is to talk to your professors, because it's highly likely that they're doing something in the summer and they might need an assistant. And if you can, be their assistant. I mean, they're already your teacher. They know who you are you get introduced to a lot of people that way which is super great and there's also a bunch of things that you can do while you're in school by taking extra courses or independent studies and learning more that way like creating your own class on making a 1750s dress which is something I did and I learned how to sew that way which made me more valuable because I was a better seamstress Another thing I highly suggest is taking entrepreneurial classes because it's so important to know how to essentially be a business owner when you leave if you're going to freelance in any type of way because you have to be able to understand what contracts mean or you need to know somebody that does. You need to know what kind of taxes surround the things that are happening because you are essentially a small business owner when you're freelancing because you're your own business. You're marketing yourself. You're getting yourself out there. You're the product that you're marketing. It's just nice to have that kind of information. And the other thing is knowing that W-4s and 1099s, which are tax forms that you fill out when you take most jobs in theater, depending on what the company is, they don't take tax out of your pay. So you need to calculate that out. That's a big one. Because otherwise you're gonna to get to the tax season and you're not going to be able to pay it because you don't have any money to pay it because you haven't been saving and you weren't thinking about it. Which taxes is a whole thing. A lot of people end up getting somebody to do their taxes for them and paying for it because if you do a bunch of jobs in a bunch of different states, it's a lot of work. So just things to keep in mind if you're doing that. Yeah, I think, you
0: know, you don't have to know much about it during school, and it would be great to have a class on it. I wish we had a class in my undergrad about actors' taxes and stuff like that, but I think it's important to understand that you can write things off that pertain to your career. Like, I could write my dance shoes off, my makeup, my dresses, my boots, all of these simple detailed things that are in your
1: career can be written off. Yeah, any book that you purchase that pertains to your career, especially if you're a designer, if you're doing research, you buy a book, write it off you bought it for your job.
0: If you guys want more information about actors taxes, I would be happy to do, we would both be happy to do some research. Yes, we will also bring, a oh, bring much on a guest. Oh, we should bring on
1: a be yes. That would be the good idea. I actually
0: know a lot of actors that their side job is
1: financing for actors. Oh, nice. Yeah, or like financing for artists and yeah. they help them figure out their money. Yeah, I know one of my professors, anytime anybody had a tax question, they would be like, Go ask him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. You don't
1: really think about it because you're
0: young and you're not thinking about your money or thinking about how to save your money. And you might just be getting a credit card. Starting to implement that stuff is incredibly important because it's only going to help you as you move forward in your career because we kind of need a lot of money. I don't care who you are as an artist.
1: Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of money on what we do and we don't get a lot of it back. But we need to save every penny. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of money and spending it wisely, there are a couple events that you can go to that does cost money to go to. So you need to go to their websites, look and see what companies are there. There are kind of cattle calls and like mass auditions, which when you're just leaving school can be extremely helpful in finding a job. That's how I found my job. I found it at UPTA in Memphis. There's a bunch of them They're UPTA, SETC, which kind of travels every couple years. It will be in Memphis this year, though, too, so they're both going to be in Memphis. Atlanta Unified, Straw Hats in New York, OTAs in Ohio, A1s in New York, and Midwest Theater Alliance. These they're are so the ones high. that are the main ones that people know about. Yeah, so. but you have to take into consideration that there's going to be travel fees, and you're probably going to have to get a hotel room, and you might need a blight. and there's probably other people in your school that want to go to these things so get a group together no
0: please get a group together i would always split a hotel with one or two friends saving money that way is huge because a flight is ridiculously expensive Mm -hmm. obviously not during covid but yeah (laughs) in regular times you know when you have to kind of wait to plan it as well like it's tough to set the flight while you're in school because you're not sure if you're going to go and you're not sure if it's going to like fall during a rehearsal period because some main stages have rehearsals before school goes up in that J-turn break. So you really, you really want to save money and
1: hook up with people and even drive. Driving is, it's intense, but it's so much cheaper. When I went to UPTA, I was in Ball State, Muncie, Indiana. It's like the middle of Indiana. And it's about an eight hour drive down to Memphis. And there were three of us in the car. We all split the gas. We got a hotel room that wasn't where the auditions were, which a lot of people do. Those were just expensive hotel rooms and we didn't want to spend that. And we were only there for a day, where some of the people that audition are there for a couple days doing auditions. But the interviews are all in one day for anybody that's in tech. So you really don't have to be in the hotel to do it. There's a lot that happens in the hotel for the performers though. We had a car, so we didn't need that. Speaking of that, we're going to talk about some of the things that you should do and some of the things you should not do in those auditions and interviews. So the people that hosted does where we both got our jobs, the company that we worked for, it was Playhouse on the Square, I was working with people that not only hosted a big cattle call, but also interviewed people every year because they have new interns every single year. And so I asked for some things that they look for and some things that... red flags to them when they're hiring and so That was Lindsay and Kathy, who are the costume people at Playhouse on the Square. They're awesome. We love them. also Erin, my work wife, who I've mentioned in every episode thus far. We're doing good. You have to tell them why. Okay, so I told her that I mentioned her in the first episode before we released it. And then she was like, wouldn't it be funny if you mentioned me in every episode? And I was like, challenge accepted. So here we go. And this one's easy because she gave some advice. (laughs) But so one of the things that they said, and this is when they're hiring somebody, looking for people who are excited about the work. Be excited that you have the opportunity about all of your previous opportunities. Everything counts. I love Erin. She said, if you bomb an interview, acknowledge it. (laughs) Because that's something that happened to her because she went to SATC and interviewed. And it was such a long day of interviews that eventually you get burnt out on them. And so sometimes you walk in and your brain is so scattered. And something Erin did was she was like, I think that went horribly, like, after the interview. But then they hired her because they loved her because she was so honest. She was like, that didn't go well. <laughs> that is such an errand story. I know. I love Wow. Um, another thing they said, as an interviewer... I know when people are nervous. I understand being nervous and I'm not going to give you negative marks for that. I understand if you get lost in an answer and need to take a breath and start over. Just don't let your nerves stop you from engaging. I will happily prompt responses from you. All you have to do is listen, think, and answer honestly. And I think that's a really important one to like be honest because especially now with how easy it is to connect to people, if you lie, they will find out, it's not worth it. Another thing they said, which I think is also really important is talking about comfort in your body. Dress nicely, but it's not the day to try something new. Like don't wear heels if you aren't used to wearing heels. Don't try new makeup styles on a day where you're supposed to look nice and it could go crazy, you know? Know what you're interviewing for, which can be difficult when you're doing these mass interviews because there was a lot of interviews all in one day when I went, I think I did like nine interviews in one day and that's a lot and it's hard to keep track of all the companies. Do as much research on the company as you can, but also make sure you're taking a lot of notes because if you're taking notes, they see that you're interested and dedicated to understanding when they call you back, that you'll have things to look at and remember what they're talking about and they don't have to reiterate everything that they said in the interview. Make an educated guess on what questions will be asked And go through them with somebody, I'm 100% sure, one of your professors or one of your friends knows questions that are commonly asked, like, why are you interested in this job? Where do you see yourself in five years? What are your strengths and weaknesses? That one has come up in every interview I think I've done, is what is your strengths and weaknesses? And it's a hard thing to answer sometimes. Yeah. And you also want to say a weakness that isn't make or break. Right. Right. It can be, like you can work on it. Yeah. Yeah. This one, I'm going to swear, but it's so good. It's just, don't be an hole. Like, just don't. Nobody wants to work with an hole. you know? I mean, it still happens, but you should really stray
0: away because it's going to get around. We are such a huge community, yet
1: we are small. Mm -hmm. Everybody
0: knows everybody, and that stuff gets around, and
1: you're not going to be employed. <laughs> yeah. Never assume you're the smartest person in the room. It's not a good idea because in all likelihood, if you're interviewing for a job somewhere else, you aren't because they know their company and they know what they're looking for. Oh, another Aaron one. Aaron says, don't mansplain things. If you're interviewing for costumes with the costume people, you don't have to explain in detail what you did because they'll understand if you say it in the regular terms it's their job too (laughs) they'll understand and if they don't they'll ask you don't want to give too much information then they'll think that you think that they're dumb and we don't want that specifically for tech interviews because you are expected to have a portfolio a lot of people nowadays are using a website as their portfolio and that's great i do that as well but when you're going to these kinds of places with a lot of interviews the internet is so spotty and it's highly likely that you're not gonna be able to connect. So you need to have it in a PDF form or you need to have a physical portfolio and have your resume triple, quadruple checked so many times for typos and errors because that is something that will turn an employer off to you so quickly, which I've had a typo in mine before and it's kind of embarrassing too because that's your professional resume and that's representing you when they go back and think about things on who they want to hire or talk to again so it doesn't have to be the most beautiful resume in the world or anything but make sure everything's spelled right and there aren't any typos and you've capitalized everything that needs to be capitalized Just do it. It's a must and it's kind of annoying because you have to have multiple people look over it. And if you have them printed and all of a sudden you find a mistake, you have to go print them again. Well, auditions, I have a lot to say about auditions. I've done many an audition. A
0: lot of what Grace says correlates into the audition land. You absolutely 100% must have a resume that does not have any typos because that ends up hurting you. And they it's not that they think you're dumb. They just think that you don't care. If you're someone like me, you overly care. (laughs) And you need to make sure that every director, every show, every special skill... Every theater name, every professional theater, educational theater, you know, every single word is correct because I think there's this stigma in the theater world that people say like oh they're not looking at the resumes like they're quickly glancing and I'm telling you right now they are looking at the resumes because I've gotten so many questions about my resumes and it starts up conversations and people get interested and you're like oh wow they're interested (laughs) so they don't shy away from looking and they don't shy away from looking on the bottom especially with your special skills so please for the love of God make sure that your special skills are spelled correctly and they're actually a special skill that you can tie a story to because if you don't therefore you're lying and And the rest of the audition goes bad when it might have gone great. But now they were starting to get personal with you and you weren't engaged because you didn't tell the truth. So don't lie. Do not, oh my god, I see this all the time. I saw this the other day looking up a friend's resume or just looking up their website and seeing their resume attached. Do not lie about the roles that you play. I understand that you really wanted a role in undergrad. I wanted so many roles in my undergrad. I didn't get a lead till my senior year. I was constantly in the ensemble. There is not one lie on my resume about any of the roles I played. I don't care if they don't ask about it. It's just it's going to bite you later on in life. And you just shouldn't be in that way because that small lie will start to become bigger in different circumstances on different resumes or in a phone call with an agent. You know, you just don't want to set yourself up for
1: failure. And if one person figures out that you lied, like we said before, it's a small world. If anybody asks them about you or if they've heard anything about you, because people do that. If they know somebody in a company and you say you worked there, and they like say, she said she did this, or he said he did this, and they're like, actually, no, that person will tell other companies that you lied and then that can really really hurt you in the future you really don't want that guys no joke I've seen that
0: happen with people that I know and it's devastating but it's also kind of like that's karma you lied and what else do you lie about if you lie about something like that like it doesn't seem like a big deal I don't even care if you were an understudy make note that your role was an understudy role it's easy, it's a U slash S on your resume and then you put the name of the role. It is what it is. We all want the leads in every show. That's just not reality. And you're not gonna knock get a job just because you were tree number five. I've gotten auditions with daughter on my resume because I played a daughter in a show. And it was a conversation starter. They were like, oh, my God, I love Pirates of Penzance. That was the show. And I was like, yeah, it's a great experience. I was a daughter. And, you know, again, conversation starters. And you want to be present and real and true because people see it. They can tell. The the first five seconds you walk into that audition, they know exactly how the rest of the day and moment and one minute is going to go. And so do you. They know right away from your presence how your audition's gonna go. So you wanna be ready, fully prepared, true, honest. You want the whole package. So let's talk. Auditions are the job, and the job is the reward. If you wanna be an actor, you have to get used to auditioning because <laughs> I can attest I've done 30 in New York City so far. And I've gotten a few callbacks, almost got some job offers, but nothing was a go. And that's only 30. And like I said in the last episode, my professor said it takes 100 auditions to maybe get a job. Probably get one job. With hopefully a lot of callbacks in there. And maybe you beat 100 and you get like 60 and you get a job. But it's just, that's the reality of being an actor. It's a huge pool of people, especially if you're female. There's so many women. And there's so many talented people, especially now. There are wonderfully talented people coming up into the business. So you just have to figure out how you stand out. Who are you? What is your why? Why do you do this? Why do you love theater? And you have to bring that energy into the room and you have to love auditioning. And I love auditioning. I love going in there with different people and just being my most authentic self. You know, just walking in the room saying, hey, good morning. You know, it's like 8 (laughs) a.m., and people are, like, drinking their coffee. They know they have 300 other people to listen, probably belt the same song, right? But that moment is so precious, and it's not make or break. You shouldn't put the pressure of it being life or death, right? But it is a moment where you have the opportunity to do your best work and show who you are and show yourself off in an authentic, honest, true, beautiful way. And I think that's so interesting to be going into rooms with different people and doing what you love. Who else gets to do that every day? And it's, it's just interview after interview after interview. And I don't think every career path gets that many chances to interview like that, you know? Yeah,
1: every time I apply for a normal job, like a day job, they're always like, can we get the last 10 years of jobs? And I'm like, that's so many jobs. Because our jobs are like a year or a couple months, and it's a full job. And you, like, and then they ask, what's the reason you left? And I'm like, the contract was over. That's why. So it's just, it's a very small world, and people talk. So I would say there are
0: four parts to an audition. I would say, number one, please, for the love of God, be yourself. And be yourself. Don't be like... Jesse Mueller, you know Stephanie J. Block, all of these amazing female powerhouses or Jeremy Jordan male powerhouse, You know, be who you are. Show up, do your best work and leave it in the room. And if it went bad, still leave it in the room. You can go home and you can have a moment. I've had a moment. I've called my mom, I've cried, I've beat myself up. And the next day I'm like, okay, what's the next audition, let's go. You can't let it affect you. You gotta move on, move forward and acknowledge that that's part of the business. That's part of the work. A lot about being an actor is failing and failing at auditions and learning from it and growing and getting more comfortable with yourself and comfortable in the room and comfortable with the people in the room. The people behind the table don't bite. They are there for a reason again another stigma with the people behind the table like oh god they're behind the table they're judging me no they're not they're trying to cast a show they're trying to make money they're trying to do what their employers are telling them to do because they're trying to put on a show and get people to buy tickets and they want to see if you have what it takes and if you can connect to your material i'm saying all these like little nuggets of wisdom with auditions Connect to your material. Choose material that fits you. Don't choose a song because you wanna sing it because Jesse Mueller sings it and you think that you can sing it right now when in reality you can't. I've done that. Don't do that. (laughs) Sing material that fits you. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Take the time to reach out to a rep coach and be like, hey, I really need help. I kind of know what my brand is, who I am, I really need help finding material that I connect to singing-wise and monologue-wise, like can you help me? If you're really having that much trouble, do it, but there are thousands of resources to look up music. There's music notes, if you just search musical theater songs in Google, you'll see that there are lists upon lists and examples, and even typing in YouTube. You know, composers, look up composers, look up their music. There's a whole world of research and materials out there, especially with plays and monologues. New Play Exchange, I think, is a great website for monologues to find. And again, getting a monologue coach who that's their job. They research plays. I mean, you can research plays on Scribed and find material from there and find monologues from there. And I think Scribed is free. I don't think you have to ne- necessarily have an account with it. Walk in confidently, leave confidently continue to be learning outside of auditions, go to class, go to dance class, please go to dance class. (laughs) I consider myself a mover and I've been called back for dance calls. And I'm telling you guys, I actually called Grace after one and I was like, Grace, I got called back for a dance call. It was so exciting because I felt like my work that I was doing outside of auditions was paying off, like all the classes I was taking. Continue to be that student that we talked about in last episode, you know, put yourself in class, spend the money, save the money, People can see it, it builds your confidence, and it builds your confidence in the room even if you aren't dancing. I mean, I found that when I go to class and after I leave, I'm like, wow, my body's strong, like I'm getting to be a better mover, I'm understanding how my body works. And then when I go into the audition, I'm grounded. My feet are connected to my ankles, my ankles, shins, shins, knees, you know. I feel my body, and I don't feel like I'm just acting with my face because I've always had that issue. I had that issue a lot in my undergrad. I would always act with my face more, and my directors and teachers were like, girl, where's the rest of your body? (laughs) And I was like, it's there. And they were like, you're not connected. Where's the grounding? Like, you're using your face and your upper body. We need the rest of your body. And I'm telling you, when you take dance and you get excited about it and you get better, that helps you. Be present like Grace said, have clothes you feel comfortable in. Don't wear a whole new outfit. I've heard from a lot of people that you kinda have to treat auditions like you're going out to a special event with your friends. Like what would you wear if you were going out to like dinner with a group of friends? meeting parents for the first time your significant other's parents you know like obviously each show has a specific era that they live in right and you kind of want to tip your hat to the era right grace i feel like you can chime in on this where can you find audition clothes that tip their hat to the style and the era of the show but also show who you are right because you don't want to like wear
1: something that doesn't fit your body i think it's important to just be presenting your best self and like how you picture your best self, it's very easy to just pop onto Pinterest and look up an era and pull something from that. Like if it's the 20s, maybe you're just wearing a long pearl necklace as your accent for that one because that was a popular style. If it's the 50s, maybe you're in a little bit of a fuller skirt or wearing maybe higher rise pants for men, but you're not that part and they know that the costume people can make you look the way that they want. That's their job. It's my job. I can do that. We'll make you look good. They're really looking for your best self and what you can bring to the table. I think it's important to just focus on that. So I think that accessories are where it's going to be at for performers that want to tip their hat towards an era of a specific role. And thrift shops are the place to go. Thrifting is going to be your best friend. You can find people get rid of stuff all the time from all the decades everything and Pinterest and thrift shops are going to be your best friend because like we said you need to save your money so you can write these things off on your taxes because they're for auditions you need to be conscious of how much you're spending and you don't want to be getting a whole new outfit for every audition you need a good base get a base and work your way from there
0: I'm shaking my head because I've done that. I've tried to be that girl that got a new outfit every time. And also a new song every time. And guys, like you need 12 songs with 16 bar and 32 bar cuts. You don't need a new song for every audition. I highly do not recommend going in with a new song that you just learned two days ago. Have I done it? Yes. Has it worked? No, because I forgot my words and I blanked and I said, I'm so sorry, can we restart? And then the rest of the audition wasn't authentic and unique and I was in my head because I was like, I thought this was the right idea. I didn't really have a song that fit this show and fit me in this show. You know, I got my head and overthought it and decided to learn a whole new piece. Obviously, if you get a callback and you have to learn something in 24 hours well yes please try to memorize it as best you can but you just need to have 12 songs you can bend the 12 songs you can sing the songs a different way I mean you can like jazz up a song if it's a more jazzy type show like you can do what you need to do with 12 songs in every kind of audition but you have to make sure that they're the right 12 songs and they're tipping their hat to every kind of style and showing all the colors of your voice mix head belt all of that kind of stuff. And then just a few last ones to cover, please drink water. I have spent a lot of audition days being dehydrated and having to wait for a dance call. And then when I get at the dance call, I can't retain anything because I'm dehydrated. Same thing with food, pack food, pack your clothes, pack every dance shoe. I know it's a little aggressive, but you never know if they're gonna be like, I don't need you to wear heels, wear sneakers. That's the best day ever because at least for me, I'm like, yes, I get to wear sneakers and I don't have to wear heels. But I I would rather dance in flats. I mean, it's way easier (laughs) for a mover, I think. Grace is just looking at me with this like...
1: Maybe when we take that dance class, we
0: should wear heels. Oh, God. (laughs) But you know, like, you never know what they're going to say or if they're going to ask you to pick a different shoe. So just be extra prepared and warm up. So here's the deal. In New York City, there are some warm-up rooms that you can pay $15 for, like, 30 minutes. But everybody's trying to warm up and everyone's getting a room. And I just recommend buying some straws, doing some warm-ups with straws if you're a singer, setting yourself up for success the night. For by packing and then getting rested, getting enough sleep, at least eight hours of sleep, and like have confidence that
1: you're prepared. Can you explain why you need straws? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So there're actually a lot of warm-ups with straws that you can do. You know, like a straw in a in water, like mm-hmm. in a water bottle. Um like humming or like kind of blowing into the straw up the scale is really good to warm up your voice if you like can't warm up in a room or out loud. Mm-hmm. It actually you can get a full warm-up in with a straw and some water.
1: Cool. Yeah. It's I didn't very know that. interesting. Yeah. And then again, I don't know much about no, no, no. your You're, side of the world. Hey, so. I don't know your side of the world. That's why we're here, girl. <laughs> I respect
0: you. You respect me, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've also Done that thing where i go to the back of the subway in a corner and my face is facing the corner and i'm just belting my face off and usually in the morning time there aren't a lot of people well there are interesting people on the subway please be careful and like don't turn your back <laughs> but if you're in a cart that's alone sing you know get your voice warmed up that's a little bit harder but you can like stretch in the hallway don't be that girl that does a full split and like shows off because no one likes you if you do that so <laughs> but you know I mean, if you have time in the morning to do some yoga, do some yoga and make sure you're not sitting and waiting for the call. You know, make sure you're getting up, you're moving, you're singing, you're eating, you're drinking water, you're sucking on a cough drop. Just make sure to keep moving because sometimes you do have to wait for those auditions. But it is so important to be connected to your full body because when you go in, they know, they just know. And be friendly. Look people in the eye, look at the accompanist in the eye. The accompanist is honestly the most important person in the room if you're singing. You have got to communicate with them and make them feel like you know what you're doing and you know what you want. And your music has to be marked and marked correctly. It just, it's so important, you guys. Look at them in the eye, say thank you. Don't be aggressive. Don't be overly thinking, right? Or saying sorry. If something goes wrong, things go wrong, it's live, right? It's like live theater, things happen. If you need to restart, Go ahead and restart, but just don't be afraid again of those people behind the table. They have a job just like you have a job and they want to make something great and they want you to do great. Every casting director that I've come into contact with or heard on a podcast or heard in a seminar or took a class with has only ever said, please don't be afraid of us. We want you to do well. And that is just so reassuring because they're on the same level as us. They're trying to get as much done as we are in just a different way. So just be aware that you have the control over that room. Use it wisely. You can make an impression that lasts and gets you a
1: job. Mm -hmm. I remember my professors saying, so we had this senior experience class where it was like a boot camp for the real world after we graduated that we took our last semester. And I remember my professor saying to the performers, kind of similar to like every 100 auditions, maybe one job will come up. But the big thing that she said was, they're looking for something specific. It may not be you, and that's okay. And it may be you. You may get that job because you're exactly what they're looking for, but they're looking for something very specific for each role. And so it's hard to not take that personally. That was something that she said, I think, like five times. Yeah. And that class met once a week, and half the time it was canceled. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm really glad you said that. I wasn't going to say that, but I'm glad you did, because it's true. Obviously, they're looking for something specific. And most of the time, you're not it. But also, by preparing you could change their mind about the specificity that they planned on going with Mm -hmm. you know they could be very caught off guard by you which I've heard so many stories about that as well with friends and people in the business they didn't fit the role at all but they still went in and they got it (laughs) because they saw something in them and the specificity went away and they were like we have to have her slash him
1: yeah I think a big part of it is like is this person going to be good to work with which a lot of the time can make a designer's job a little more difficult, depending on what the director wants that role to look like, but also, that's my job. I'll make you look good, or bad if that's what you're supposed to look like. I don't know. I think it's good to just have a good team around you, and that's what I think most people are looking for, is a good group of people to create a show around because so much of it is working together and having open communication And feeling safe in the room and you can only do that if everybody in the room makes you feel safe and that's not easy to find that cast you know
0: yeah that's some (laughs) mic drop grace words of wisdom (laughs) yeah it's it's just so important don't be a totally different person because you just had a good day that audition day like you need to be the same person in every situation and things can go wrong and you deal with them and it shows a lot about who you are how you deal with the bad moments, you know, what happens with the people around you, and you tend to have to be forced to get close to the people around you. I mean, we felt that with Playhouse on the Square, that
1: contract. We were with those people for 10 months, and that's the job. That contract was hard, though, because you also lived with the people you worked with. You could get away, like you could go into your own bedroom, but all of the people that you were working closely with lived in the same house as you, and that can be really hard if you're going through something and you're like, I just need space, but you can't get it because... You're surrounded by these same people every day. It's hard. You have to be able to cope.
0: And a lot of being able to do that is working on yourself and being so prepared and in tune with yourself so you can be ready for a job like that. Like I was thinking a few months ago about all of the callbacks that I got in New York City, what those entailed and how exciting they were. But then looking now... I realized that I wasn't ready for them because, yeah, I did this huge contract in Memphis and it was so good for me. It was a huge resume builder, but I needed time to figure out who I was. And like, I'm still figuring out who I am because I went right to a contract right out of college and I like... You know, it was just one thing after another and it's tough to gain those skills of self-awareness and knowing who you are and why you are who you are and accepting who you are. And that is just a huge thing when getting jobs because no matter how talented you are, people always remember how you made them feel your actions speak louder than your words. And the way that you handle the bad, because I'm telling you, it's theater, things go badly, tech week goes badly. I, I've i only had one tech week in my life that actually went smoothly. <laughs> people get tired, people are hot, people are stressed. You have to be graceful.
1: Yeah, I've gotten complimented a lot, which I didn't feel this way during tech week, but apparently I'm a very calming presence during tech week. I never raise my voice. I can be running around like a crazy woman. At least I feel like I am. A lot of people find me very calm on tech week because they're freaking out and everybody around them is freaking out and everything's new and there's clothing now and they have to change clothing now and it's a lot. And I know that it's a lot. One of the things that I always remember and it's something Emily used to say, she used to say, it's going to be bad. That's okay. It's the first dress, you know. It's going to be bad. This is where we figure it out. If it's bad now... It's going to be fine on opening night.
0: Be right back with more after this we're gonna move to the next topic in a second but I really want you to talk about fittings and how actors should be treating people behind the curtain especially in fittings and costumes because our bodies can be very triggering and be insecure and I feel like even small moments like that get around. It's like walking on eggshells but not. You have to be so careful the way that you react and talk to people and make sure that they know where you're coming from and make sure you're not offending anyone. You have to be hyper aware (laughs) when going into these jobs and it gets easier as you get the jobs and you meet the people and you get more comfortable with who you are and what you do. I think it's important to touch on that.
1: I think a lot of that is something that designers and people in the dressing rooms should know. There's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. One of the biggest things as somebody in the room is... It's never the performer's fault that something isn't fitting them, and it's never their body. It's always the costume, because we're fitting things to their body. That's our job. Our job is to make them look a specific way, and if the costume doesn't fit them so they look that way, then it's not their fault, and it may not be your fault because you may have just purchased that item, but you're going to fix it. I think one of the big things that I always ask a performer in the room, I'm like, do you feel like your character in the room? Because a lot of times performers are looking at themselves in the costume and they're thinking of themselves and how they look and how they feel and their style as opposed to the character, which it's my job to create a character on a body. Your personality traits and who you are is still going to show through, but it's not you, it's the character sometimes performers can just be very insensitive and not understand how much work has gone into it and they sometimes you just don't understand how much work has gone into it and sometimes they'll just say something like oh that was so easy (laughs) some things like that and I'm like actually I've been working on this for weeks but it's fine (laughs) directors can do that too that's just kind of the name of the game you can't be so attached to something that it doesn't work it's important to listen to costume people when they say you're going to be wearing these shoes you need to wear them in rehearsal so you're used to them we for the most part we will not provide those shoes for rehearsal unless they're super specialty you're welcome to ask we'll answer questions and everything but it's important to understand that it is your job to have rehearsal clothes as well which again specialty things usually we will provide we don't expect you to have a corset if you need a rehearsal corset that's probably something costumes will provide. If you need to be wearing a three inch heel, you should probably have a three inch heel somewhere that you can wear in rehearsal or a skirt because you're going to be wearing a skirt. I think one of the most frustrating things is when we tell a performer, this is what you'll be wearing, and then they don't do it in rehearsal, and then they get into first dress and they're like, I can't do any of my things in this. We're like, we told you to practice in them. And then if it didn't work, that was when you needed to tell us. Cause now we have to redo the whole costume and we have a week to put this whole show together. I think some of the other things is like, sometimes people assume that we're kind of stupid. <laughs> like we don't know what we're doing, but this is my degree. I know what I'm doing. I understand if you have concerns and I want to know your concerns, but a big part of me is like, I don't really care if you don't think you look good because you look like the character that the director wants me to make you in. It's hard and you have to be sensitive on both ends, you know,
0: and just listen and communicate and communicate if you feel something, and if you don't feel right about something. I mean, hiding it and then being rude about it later on in a moment is worse than just being just communicating in the moment saying hey like this makes me feel kind of strange and the costume designer can be reassuring or the director can be reassuring and say like no it's reading like this you're fine yeah so just I mean the importance of communication oh 100 uh so how to find audition notices and where to find them as well as tech interview audition notices uh for auditions specifically broadway world actors access playbill.com backstage facebook pages company facebook pages instagrams i actually um turn on notifications for a lot of casting directors instagram so every time they post i see it Uh, Not so much now because it's COVID and there's not a lot of casting calls going around, but obviously during the time of audition season, it's really awesome to see the company's notifications pop on my phone because I'll see these audition notices, you know, an hour after they were posted. And I actually went into a casting office in the city when I was there a few months ago to drop off my headshot and resume in the hour that they sent out the audition notice on Instagram because I was out and about. And I was like, oh, their office is right here. And then I ended up getting an audition and I was like, cool. (laughs) So you know, it's just, it helps you get maybe ahead of some other people auditioning or applying for the audition or whatever. And obviously Actors Access and Backstage require um, some money. If you want the Actors Access Plus, I think you have to pay $60 a year. And Backstage is about in the 100 to $130 a year range. I mostly use Actors Access and Playbill and like, obviously everybody's facebook page i don't really necessarily think you need backstage i also have it but i think actress access is definitely where it's at and they
1: break down what city you're in and what calls are in that city for tech interviews, I think one of the big ones for once you graduate, one of the places that's going to have a lot of jobs for you to look at is going to be off-stage jobs. They also have jobs just in general for tech people when they have information on touring, internships, summer stocks, working at a university. There's a lot of different types and you can narrow stuff down there and I think that's a really good one. The big thing is that it's a lot of word of mouth with tech people. You find your place that you want to be, your location, and then you kind of freelance or you end up working for a company more permanently once you make a good relationship with them. And so going to things like SATC is a huge one for tech I think Upta really does have some good opportunities. And the nice thing about UPTA is that not a ton of people come for tech interviews. There's a smaller pool, so you're more memorable there. And then USITT.org also posts jobs. Clearly, there's like nothing happening right now because of COVID, but hopefully they will slowly increase. I think a couple months ago, I went on to offstage jobs just to see what was happening. And there were like four costume jobs total and there's usually pages and pages of jobs and I went on a couple days ago when I was doing research for this and there were like 10 and they weren't like very well paying jobs either so it's hard especially when you're leaving your undergrad just talk to your professors they know people and if they think they know a place that's a good fit for you you can do that and the same thing as auditions like look On the Instagram and the Facebook pages, if there's a company you want to work for, send your resume in. Maybe they'll be looking for somebody. You don't know. Send an email. (laughs) Do it. I've done it. And then they're like, sure,
0: you can come in, even though I didn't fit it and I couldn't really go to the actual call. They were like, yeah, go ahead and send a video or whatever. And then, you know,
1: you never know. Yeah. And companies really appreciate people that do things like that, that are putting themselves out there and making the opportunities for themselves. I think that's just something that's important because that shows so much hustle, which is what this whole episode is about. Like you're working hard and that's what you're trying to do. Yes. <laughs> really quick. I wanted to talk about,
0: and we can have a whole episode about this if we need to. So you guys let us know what you want. I want to talk about the general terminology and language used in the business and what it means to be in the union. Because there is a thing called Actors' Equity Association and that is the union that we are in. There's also SAG which is the film union. I know there's many sister unions. I don't know them off the top of my head right now, but I know those two are the biggest ones. But when we're talking theater, we're mostly talking about AEA, which is Actors Equity Association. That building is in Times Square. Um, Huge, beautiful building. So there are kind of three types of actors when it comes to Actors Equity Association and being an actor in theater. It's uh, non-equity, EMC, and equity. Let's talk about it. As an equity actor, you usually have to have an agent because you're a part of the union and you usually have online signups. Or you can have your agent set you an appointment time for when it comes to auditions. So you kind of have the luxury of being able to have an appointment time, whereas being a non-equity actor, you have to go sign up. And that's a whole nother episode because signups, being a non-equity actor is
1: trip waiting in line
0: is waiting in line at Mm 4am and grace knowing i'm waiting in line at 4am and my mother waiting as i'm waiting in line at 4am and wondering if i'm okay (laughs) in the freezing cold you know not highly recommended but sometimes it's what you got to do it's a big call and you got to Wake up and stand in that line, and hopefully there's an unofficial list. And I won't get into that because lists are a whole nother issue. And <laughs> hopefully they're gonna fix that and create online signups for non-equity actors. I'm really hoping that's gonna change. But if not, we got an episode for you, and we'll go through it. <laughs> and Grace will learn a lot as well. I will, cause I know nothing. <laughs> so yeah, as a non-equity actor, you have to attend auditions in person and wait in line. Sometimes you're able to get appointments through Actors Access or by emailing the casting director, like we said, and saying, "Hey, like." I'm not able to attend your audition, but I would love to see you. I would love you to see my work. Like, here's the video. Here's my resume and headshot. Let me know if I'm able to come in or whatever. Don't say it like that. Obviously be more chill and play, (laughs) and not be like, let me know if you can come in unless you really know that person. And maybe you'll get an appointment. You never know. And then EMC, it's the equity membership candidate uh, program. And that is when you're an actor that has racked up points towards your equity card. There's usually a separate line for you at the building. So there are a lot of theaters that offer points and that's tied to the EMC program. And when you're an EMC actor, it's not really any different than a non-equity actor, but sometimes you get seen in the room first before a non-equity actor. And obviously, if you want to be in the union eventually, it's kind of nice to have points because sometimes you don't get your card through a show. You, If you rack up points, you get in the union and you do like a bunch of shows. I say if a theater offers points and you get hired, do it because EMC is definitely a way to get to your card. You have to get 25 points. It used to be 50 and now the union is overflowing. So just a little note there that you might want to wait on your card. Um, I definitely didn't feel ready for my card. I still don't feel ready for my card. I feel like I need to wait a few years. I need to get some more experience. And I think, I know actually, there are so many amazing non-equity opportunities and non-equity theaters and a lot of tours are going non Um a lot of national tours which is kind of why I want to keep my non-equity status because I would love to do a tour and I think it's important to understand that there are just as many opportunities being non-union
1: as there are union there's some uh international tours too not just national but yes thank you now. for that
0: yeah, there are opportunities. There are incredible opportunities for non-union actors. So there's nothing wrong if you don't have your card and if you never have your card because you can have some great jobs with some just as many great people as union people do. Obviously, union gives you health benefits. You get to work with the big guys. <laughs> it's a competitive land, and you have to understand that once you get your card, you're in a whole totally different world, and you got to be ready to be competing against the knowns. Mm-hmm. And that's a big pool of people who have agents and who have had much more work than you so just be prepared and then quickly I just wanted to touch on the calls I guess that you can go to being an actor there are open calls EPAs and ECCs I hope that you have a class in college that goes over this I did not I went into New York City basically knowing nothing and the only way I learned was going to auditions and I just talked to people and I think people probably <laughs> got annoyed with me that at 4 a.m. I would talk to some people but obviously you feel it out like I wasn't forcing people to talk with me there are actually a lot of people at 4 a.m. that want to talk so well, they're probably
1: just trying to stay awake
0: Yes, it's actually a great way to like connect and Mm. learn about what the heck is going on because I did not learn the terminology, didn't really know about the union, didn't really know about the calls I was supposed to go to, how to go to the calls, when I would be seen at the calls, what calls I shouldn't go to because I probably won't get seen. And the calls that have the E with them, the E in front of it, EPAs and ECCs, that's equity principal audition and equity chorus call. Those are union calls, but they do tend to see non-union and I've been seen many in EPA. ECC and EMC have the same status at an ECC. So you can get seen at union calls, but most of the time night we go to open calls. So highly recommend. And at these calls, there are five lists and non-equity is at the bottom. That is when I am, they go equity, equity alternate A, equity alternate B, EMC, non-ec. And when you're at an EPA, you're not gonna get seen until they get to the non-equity list. And there are a lot of people on the other lists. You're just going to kind of have to like time out your day and see, you know, hopefully you're working a day job or maybe you're, you have your own business. You don't want to be wasting your whole day at a call unless you think you have a high chance of getting seen. Yeah, I just want to briefly touch on that stuff. That's a whole other episode that we can get into if you guys want more information on that. But extremely important to know that kind of stuff because you don't want to set yourself up for failure by going to calls you're not going to get seen at. What types of theaters you can work at. There are so many theaters and there's so many tours and international tours and Broadway houses and off-Broadway houses. A whole day of research you could spend figuring out the types of contracts that you can do. A few are community theater, nonprofit theater, non-equity houses, LORT houses. Those are usually regional. Uh, Equity houses, off-Broadway, Broadway. Broadway, Those are just a (laughs) few of the kind of theaters that you can work at sometimes as a non-actor you can work off Broadway not so much Broadway but if you do come in as non ec they'll automatically give you your card because if you're in a union show it's a union contract and you have to get your card so understand that too if you get a job offer that is union and you're non-union and you're not ready to get your card yet maybe you don't do that job maybe you do and then you have your card and you're in the union and <laughs> it's a little early than you planned but you know it's your decision
1: Yeah, I'm going to touch briefly on the tech union, which is IATSE, International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employment. They have a website. If you are interested, I highly suggest just going to the website because there's so much information and it's different for everybody. Their website is iatse.net. From what I understand, because I didn't really know a lot about this until I did this research and I got most of the information from their website and there was so much more information that I didn't even look at because it's not something I'm interested in doing right now and so I just want to give you guys the basics. Also, I don't suggest going into this right out of college. You just, you lose a lot of opportunities getting experience by getting into it too quickly it's essentially broken up into local unions and then into districts after that. And it's a great way to get health care. That's really the big thing is health care and contract negotiation. There's certain things that you're required to get if you're in the union through your contract, which means that you aren't going to get cheated on your contract because people do. And
0: That's the same thing for actors. Yeah.
1: And those are the benefits, really. There are certain jobs, like you get paid more for being in the union, I didn't even say that. Yeah. You get paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like it is something worth looking into. Personally, it's not something I'm going to be looking into for another couple years probably. But like that may change depending on what companies I'm working for because I don't know what my future holds, which nobody really does. They just have a lot of benefits. And if it's something that you really want to get into because it's not just theater, it's also television and entertain. It's just the whole entertainment industry. And there's more that are more specific to film that you can look into, and there's also some that are very specific to backstage work that are also worth looking into if you're going to do tours. I know I have a friend who she got put into a union the minute she started working with the Paw Patrol tour because she had to be in a union to be working there, and you just have to pay your union dues, but then she has health care and she's getting paid really well. So there are a lot of benefits. I don't think a lot of people coming right out of school are gonna need this information right now, but it's worth having in the back of your head. Lastly, we wanna talk about negotiating, which is something that the union helps you with if you're in the union, but otherwise, It's so important to have somebody go through your contract that knows what the words mean (laughs) and what it's saying because sometimes it doesn't make any sense and you don't want to just sign it without knowing. While you're in school, have a professor go through it or if you have a family member that's a lawyer, which I do, which is super great, they can look through it. If there's certain roles or designs that you specifically want, That needs to be negotiated into your contract because if it's not in writing, then they don't have to give it to you. If they say they want you for this role for their season, but then they do casting and you don't get that role, if it's not in your contract, they can do that. And then that can kind of mess with your plan of I was going to do this big role and now I can't do it anymore. So don't be afraid to ask for the things that you want from the contract because they're getting what they want from you by you working for them so you can ask for things too. I know some people at Playhouse with that contract specifically requested one of the larger bedrooms in the intern house, and that was something that they could talk about because they wanted more space or they had a spouse or a significant other that would be coming to visit them often. That's things you can have. You just have to talk about it, and don't be afraid to ask because the worst thing that can happen is they say, we can't do that.
0: Yeah, we're young professionals, but we can still ask for what we want. We don't get paid much for what we do, and we deserve to get paid you know, a reasonable amount for still being a young professional, especially with the room thing. You know, don't be needy and don't ask for too much too soon. But understand that you're your own agent for a while as an actor. I mean, you might get an agent right out of college. That's awesome. But you kind of are fending for yourself. You're your own business. And, you know, if you learn how to get those skills of negotiating, that can really help you out (laughs) in the long term with many things in your life, not just being an actor. So, you know, until you get that agent, ask for the things and. Ask them for them in a professional, healthy way.
1: That's really important. We would love to hear any stories that anybody has about any crazy contracts that they had or crazy things. Like, we want to share those with other people so they know what to look out for. And we also want to know, like, obviously we did not provide a full list of all of the places that have jobs and all of the places that have auditions and all of the things. So if you want more information shared, please share it with us. We will post it on our social media along with what we have talked about today. Our social media is, for our email, please email us. We want to hear from you. AskMG at PuddleJotMedia.com And you can follow us on Instagram at DressingRoomTalkPod. And please follow us on Facebook and comment on our upcoming posts to help us with our upcoming episodes At Dressing Room Talk Podcast.
0: And we're gonna end with
1: introducing
0: our newest episode, episode four, act one, scene four. It's called Constructive, Not Destructive. We are super excited about this episode. We possibly are having a guest, cross your fingers. We wanna share your experiences on this podcast. This is kind of the summary. You know, you're not going to make any money doing that, right? As an artist, we hear this stuff all the time. Has anyone ever said something insensitive to you in or outside of your career path due to ignorance or just plain rudeness? If they have, we want to hear about it. In Act 1, Scene 4, Constructive Not Destructive, we want to share your experiences and talk about some of the negative stereotypes surrounding being an artist. So check out our social media platforms for activities relating to this subject. But in the meantime, please comment and share your experiences. And our podcast is PG, as hard as that is. Please keep it PG. I know some people have probably said some horrible things, but this is PG. So kind of reword it a little if you can.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if you just want to share it, please share it with us anyway. But if it isn't PG, it won't make it on, unfortunately.
0: But we feel for you and you are valid and we hear you and we see you. And we're sorry this
1: happened to you. Yeah, 100% it's a content thing not a you thing (laughs) (laughs)
0: right i'm trying to think of how to reword mine because some of mine are just rough jaw-dropping
1: yeah truly jaw-dropping i can't believe somebody said that to you
0: yeah
1: huge shout out
0: to our production team jim lasher at puddle drop media
1: i'm Michaela, and i'm grace and And this is dressing dressing room talk. talk